Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends and probably some rando too, but no complaining because this is free. Free. This is beauty and the beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. Firstly, Blonde and I apologize for having to cancel the call-in show this week. A major windstorm rolled through Idaho last night and it knocked out Blonde's power. In fact, it's still out as I record this 24 hours later. And as luck would have it, something came up requiring my attention to all good news though. And Blonde and her family are fine and we have a backup plan for Sunday. So we will be back Sunday as normal. In the meantime, Blonde is back on her channel after a year plus break, and she interviewed our friend Dave Cullen, otherwise known as Computing Forever, fresh off a YouTube ban from Lord Susan WikiWiki. Dave and Blonde talks compliance, faith, the path forward, and much more. And I'm told Blonde has more interviews coming on her channel, so if you like what you hear, and we hope that you will, I'll link Blonde's channel in the description in case you're not subscribed. You better hurry, though, because Susan is probably eyeing that one very closely as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey, guys. Um, long time no see. This is my first video that I've made in over a year now because I've been on an extended maternity leave. Um, I had a daughter over the summer. She is seven months old now. I, I can't believe it, but I've been kind of feeling that I... I want to come back to YouTube just in time for them to ax my channel, just just right in time. So I was like, what can I do for them to ax my channel in the, the speediest manner? And I was like, I'm going to have Dave Cullen on. I'll do an interview with Dave Cullen. They'll delete my channel immediately and uh, and it'll be great. But for real, if I can do the, the if the last thing on my channel is that, um, you know, I, I bring some people's eyes to your content and I'm also having um, legal man on on Thursday, I think I'm going to do an interview with Black Pigeon. And then I get the boot. I'll be very happy with the time <laughs> that I've had on YouTube. So um, without further ado, I have Computing Forever, Dave Cullen on my channel right now. Um, and your channel was deleted this week. It was it was all the buzz. Everybody was talking about it. Um, could you tell us what's going on with that? Yeah, well, I had a few strikes and, <laughs> you know, 12 videos were removed um, one of them was reinstated. So the channel was, was like hanging on there. But yeah, and then it just boom, it was just gone. But I, I, I knew, obviously, I knew it was coming for ages. Yeah. I, look, I mean, for ages, I mean, I've been talking about it for four years and people, you know, were like, ah, oh, you you say that every year. And then finally, in, in, you know, I got to the end of 2020, I was like amazed. And, and now within like a week and a half of 2021, and it's gone. But uh, you know, now, and then it's back. And I, but as I said on, on BitChute, uh, I really made peace with it. When it happened, it really didn't affect me, Bond. It really didn't. I, I was just like, oh, okay. More of a sentimental thing. Like, oh, 14 years, you know, <laughs> 14 years. You've been doing this for 14 years. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So there you go. And look, you know, when it came back, I, I was like, I was almost disappointed. <laughs> Honestly, I, I got these emails from YouTube. I thought we were done. Leave me alone. Like this relationship yeah. is over, you know, uh, and you're still stalking me now. Let it go. Um, <laughs> that's what I felt like. And the jilted ex-lover going, wait, he doesn't need me? Show him. <laughs> you know, and I, and yeah. I sort of went, uh, I said today on on the other 
all tech platforms when I made today's episode of how is this a thing that, you know, it's it's actually something I, I don't want to do anymore and, and I won't be back. And people are like, oh, you could make trailers for videos and point them. They're going to close that loophole. Mm-hmm. They're going to consider that spam or deceptive content. And, then, you know, they're going to say you're linking to misinformation websites or terrorist websites. This is what they'll do. Um, and I don't re- I don't want to feed the beast. And also because I've been treated so badly, uh, you know, you're sort of it's sort of like the job that you hate where you're getting treated like crap. And then people say, just hang in there. The money's good. And I don't actually earn any money out of YouTube anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just funded through the through the subscribers. And and so why am I there? I actually yesterday's video got if you combine all the views from Minds, Gab TV, Odyssey, and BitChute, I got as many views close enough to what I would get on one single YouTube video. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. It's it's just something to be said for a fresh start and to be liberated from the constant, you know, finger wagging of misinformation, hate speech. You know, you're a bad person. That fucking shit gets to your soul and gets you down. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what the hell am I taking this abuse for? You know, it was your video on um on whether or not this is a spiritual battle that got you that got you banned. Is that true? That's the one. Yeah. How did they square that circle? What What did they say about that video? I actually. I said this actually to a, to um, a friend of a friend the other day, and she's a she's a smart cookie, and and she was thinking about this, and I said, see, this is a this is an example of how they don't understand the human soul. And she said, no, 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 they, they actually understand it perfectly. I mean, this is is this theory that the reason they selected six feet apart, you know, the two meter rule with social distancing, is because there's a sort of an energy field the human spirit gives off like from the heart outwards and this can be felt right this is some theory and this is how they actually fully understand that the more distant we are from each other the more the human soul dies mm-hmm. so we we get physically sick from social distancing not trading good bacteria and virus and that sort of thing but we also get sort of spiritually and emotionally not having human contact and being close to other people and um where was i going with that why did i even bring that up? <laughs> i don't know but yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like I, that's it. They don't. They actually understand the human spirit very well. They understand our needs, and yeah. they they've taken them away. I mean, they've taken everything away now. Um, I, I mean, we'll probably get into that. But I'm I'm sort of staggered at the tolerance of normies. I was I was in the city. There was a protest going on, and I was uh, stalked actually uh, on social media. Uh, by some people who uh, really, really don't like people like me. And there's a lot of them in in Dublin. There's a lot of the the sort of SJW far left types. And then uh, the protests, uh, they just couldn't happen. The police are just all over the streets, constantly moving people on. If they just gather in small groups, constant harassment and intimidation. One of my friends was arrested for the second time uh, for just simply refusing to give his name on the streets. I mean, we don't live in the Soviet Union. So uh, he didn't want to give his details, you know, it's a case of, you know, why are you five kilometers, you know, outside the five kilometer restriction zone? Uh, What the hell? Is this Half-Life 2 or something? What is happening? (laughs) I don't know. But it's shocking, uh, isn't it? I am shocked. I live in North Idaho and I, I can't believe the widespread compliance even out here. I've never had much faith in humanity, but even I underestimated the baseline level of stupidity here. Like I, I cannot believe how much stupidity I'm accosted with on a daily basis. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with us being so secular as a society uh, and people have just 
really grown accustomed to this this concept of science being their higher power. So I do a few questions about that. Um, I think the people of faith have a different perspective um, on on death. I'm not going to be governed by fear in terms of this virus because I, I'm probably less afraid to die. I don't think that that's the end of it or anything like that. So do you think there will be a natural correction and faith will spread in our decaying society or are people just going to double down on this um we believe in science as a as a higher power notion it it seems because it's a great question it's because it's been pushed on us so fast and adopted so fast i get the sense that this ideology which is not sustainable because it's built on fear as you say uh that it will burn very hot yeah. very bright but very fast you would hope because um, you're quite right in, in Ireland, where people were once very Catholic, and my, fr my friend Thomas Sheridan, who's actually a pagan, but he's very, very interesting insights, and he's a very clever guy, I have a lot of time for him. And he's, he also, you know, we both respect the fact that we come at this at a different angle, Christian, he's a pagan, and yet we've both identified that it is a spiritual battle. Um, a lot of Irish people, as he's described, were more obsessive compulsive as opposed to being actually genuinely spiritual very few of them really were and so it was more a case of the ritualistic behaviors of catholicism of going to the church putting your hand in the font you know that's the, the modern version of that is the alcohol right it was constantly washing your hands now we have a, a burqa in a sense for the face standing on the circles all these ritualistic things these things seem to be replacements in terms of the behaviors for what we used to have when we had when we were a very religious society, at least for a lot of people. And so the fear of COVID and all the regulations and what you do in different social settings and how it governs your interactions and who you can be with and what you can do. Um, this has given people an actual meaning, which is alarming. It doesn't fulfill them spiritually, but it has given them a meaning they didn't have that wasn't there from just simple materialistic consumerism, you know, uh, what I'm very surprised about, maybe I shouldn't be for the same reason, is that the, so many young people don't seem to be pining for the degeneracy of the bar and nightclub scene, right? And actually, maybe it makes perfect sense for the same reason that so many of them are obsessed with porn and TikTok and, and WhatsApp and all the other stuff that, you know, and, uh, and that that they've been sold this idea that you can you can derive meaning from just a superficial existence but now they have this ex apparent existential threat in their life which i think some of them blonde they don't want to wake up to the reality that it isn't true because then they'd have to go back to meaninglessness that's true i do think that there's some element of spiritual fulfillment in this because the people that are really buying this and that are enforcing the mask thing on a social level, yelling at people in stores and stuff, they really believe that they're benefiting the greater good that must fulfill them in some profound way or they, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Right. I don't well, know. you know, it's a, there's an interesting element of the, the self policing component of this in a society that doesn't have any real spiritual leadership. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just being able to exert power over others. Like for example, the shops that I've been kicked out of uh, and a few of my friends as well for not wearing the mask. And 
I find a lot. Yeah, there's there's women who who'll be upset too, but I find a lot of the men are the most aggressive, the sort of middle management men. Um, and that's that's the bureaucracy of middle management, the tyranny of middle management, right? Give give somebody in a mediocre job just a tiny bit of power, and they're really dangerous. Um, yeah. But I've seen this. This was. You remember, you probably remember that video in London of the really big fat guy wearing the mask and he's screaming at this woman, why are you wearing a mask, dickhead? You know, he's going on like that. And it's like, holy shit. Now, there's been a, quite a few of those kinds of videos. And I've and I've heard from female friends getting the same abuse from, from men. Now, I think there's a reason for that. And I think it has something to do with how effeminate men are now and how probably how low testosterone levels are when you think about it uh you know my my friend john waters gets a lot of abuse he took his case with Gemma o'doherty against the state for this uh to challenge the restrictions and he's gotten a lot of grief from people on the streets shouting things at him usually men and the reason for that really is deep down uh it's an attempt to cover up their cowardice because he's actually showing them up by not going along and complying and these incredibly weak men in the west do not like that and that's why they're so aggressive, especially towards women, because it's like in this particular, as my friend Justin was saying earlier, this in this particular interaction that you're with, with this person in a shop, uh, you're so uh, people are so absolutely insecure in their own masculinity that it's like, I get to exert this, but I'm not going to go after the strong man at the top <laughs> leading our country into oblivion. I'm not going to challenge the government and the state uh, who are the, our real abusers. I'm going to challenge people who are weaker than me. So they'll go after, you know, someone who's vulnerable, a weaker man or a woman. And so I'm seeing a lot of that sort of policing going on, which, yeah, that doesn't seem like a recipe for anything good, to be honest. That's interesting because I've been thinking it's it's women that are the enforcers. Uh, the people that I've been accosted by, for the most part, are women, although I'm not getting too much pushback. I've been kicked out of a few stores and everything like that. But it's been um, it's been mostly women. And so I was thinking that it was the government's kind of capitalizing on this female hysteria because we are more prone to emotional thinking. Oh, yeah, there's that. I think that's <laughs> happening, too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of Karen videos. I mean, I think the Karen mm -hmm. meme emerged for a legitimate reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, they're going to shriek a lot louder, aren't they? You know, um, but from from what I look, ultimately, women will always, always uh, gravitate towards safety. Yeah. What they perceive to be safety. And so you would sort of expect that. But the men are not standing up to this tyranny. And I think men have to lead. Um, but instead, it's their kowtowing. And, and I think they're doing this. I don't know whether some guys do this as sort of curry favor. Uh, it never works. <laughs> I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't appease these people. And you can't also, when people are afraid, I don't think this, this is showing us after 10 months that there's little that you can really do mm -hmm. as an individual or society to make other people feel as comfortable as possible if they are really wedded to the idea that they could go out of their house and die today or catch a terrible disease. What mm -hmm. can you actually do? If, if the government says, okay, well, yesterday it was enough to just simply social distance, reduce your social contacts, sanitize your hands and to the point where you're actually crippling your immune system or just wearing a mask, that should be enough. But if you if you're if you're sufficiently terrified and they come along and go, okay, well there's actually a two two or three or four more steps that we want to add, you know, maybe it'll be like you gotta wear gloves and you gotta wear a hazmat suit and you gotta cut your hair. You can't have your hair too long or you can't have facial hair because COVID sticks to hair. They can make up weird shit, right? You all gotta wear goggles, earmuffs, whatever. Uh the person who 
is is incredibly fearful and demanding more safety might just comply with all of those things i don't know it, it's a, it's a spell honestly it's 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 really mass hysteria no that's true and i was pretty hopeful in the beginning because i was thinking people's personal experience with coronavirus will collide with the narrative at some point. In the Spanish uh, flu, 1% of the world population died. So one out of every 100 people that you know, um, dead. I mean, your mom may be dead, and then at least two of your friends dead. Everybody wouldn't have known somebody uh, that was that, that had died from this. Um, I'm looking around, you know, I know a lot of people. I don't know anybody that's died of coronavirus. Not only that, I don't know anybody that knows anybody that's died, that's died of coronavirus. I, I'm, I'm like, when are people going to look around and be like, you know, there, there aren't bodies in the street here. You know, this is not what I'm, what I'm being told. And to the left, the personal narrative is, is everything. That's it, it's everything to them. Your, your lived experience with sexuality and with identity and everything. And that just creates your entire world. Yet they're totally impervious to the effect of their lived experience when it runs contrary to this narrative. Um, what do you think about that? Are you having the same experience that I'm having? E. Michael Jones and John Waters have both touched on this, which is that you've you've talked about the identity politics of the left, which is the obsession with bauble rights. You know, the rights of gays to get married, the rights of you know trans rights, or or you know whatever whatever it is, or the idea that if you're if you're black, well, there's we'll protect you against the racism with this particular type of hate speech, or if you're Muslim, we protect you against the Islamophobia, or woman against the sexism, whatever the context. But these things were always designed to simply manufacture consent. And as soon as any of those individual people breaks free of their group and says, hold on a second, I've got something to say, you know, that's when they're censored. And like, whoa, I thought I had freedom. No, 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 those things were supposed to pacify you. Um, and I think that's, that's really, the left is only about control. And now they've been able to exert it. And so this trust that people have in institutions and in the media and in corporations, you know, it's that meme, you know, when the, the clown is putting on the makeup and at each stage, it's like, you know, I have all the same views as the media. I have all the same views as the government, I have all the same views as the UN. And then it gets right down to it, like, oh, yeah, but I'm a free, free thinking rebel, you know. I think that's really what it is. I, I don't think they ever, I don't think they ever thought the way. Yeah, that's that makes logical sense if you if they're about freedom, but they were never for freedom because all that's those true. those questions about rights were not about freedom. They were simply about manufacturing consent so they could obtain control, and they've managed to do it in one foul swoop with this lie. Yeah, definitely. I used to think that the left was so incompetent, but now I'm I'm like they're just they're just evil. I think this shows uh, a high level of competence. I've I've clearly underestimated them. Uh, it, it's it's dangerous to think that somebody is just stupid when they're actually evil but competent. But this plan, now that I've seen it roll out, it was it was quite elegant, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And now, well, yeah. And the thing that dawned on me, I think around April, May, when I was trying to get through to friends and family, and they were, suffice to say, on a very different journey than I was, um, is is how the, you know the genius element of it that you describe the slow boiling frog effect is really incredible mm. you know that that if we took these people who bought into the narrative from say december of 2019 and just you know plucked them from that timeline and put them into today you know they'd be shocked and and, it, and I resistant i think and resistant and but you know they would they would say things like you know if you described it 
to them, there's going to be this this pandemic and they're not going to let us leave our house. It's like, oh, that's ridiculous. People will make their own individual choices. Give them the information. No, no, no. That's not actually how it's going to work. You're, In fact, you're going to demand that they locks down and so forth. And I've always used the 9-11 example. You know, yeah. uh, I actually saw an old VHS uh, home family home holiday video we had from 1996. And uh, it was my brother-in-law was filming his his wife to be my sister in Florida. And she was, we were coming through the terminal. I'm just, I'm 13 years old. It's freaky to see me so young. You know, I saw this the other day. I was like, oh my God, cringe. But, um, <laughs> uh, but so, so we're coming through the terminal. But this was, uh, no, we were coming through, you know, the, the, the little long corridor that comes off the, the yeah. plane, whatever they call that thing. And you could just um, stand right there. Yeah. You could stand right there. She's standing right there. Yeah. Right there at, at the desk. And, uh, and it's, you, she, could, she could nearly get on the plane with us. It was incredible. And if you'd said to somebody, okay, in a few years' time, there's going to be this terrorist attack in New York. And admittedly, a lot of people are going to die in this attack. And these buildings are going to go down, uh, even though it kind of looked a bit odd. And this other <laughs> building that a, that a plane didn't crash into, that's going to go down. But anyway, so, so but here's the thing. After this, air, airports all over the world, not just in New York, but everywhere all over the world are going to change forever. And now even granny is going to get treated like she's a terrorist mm -hmm. with suspicion. And everyone's going to get treated with suspicion. You're going to have to take your shoes off. They're going to rifle through your bags. And they're going to do all these things. And then, you know, you're going to have to, oh, by the way, you're going to have to take your liquids, your fluids out and all that stuff and put them into a little clear plastic bag. Now you can't take a hundred mil bottle, but you can take as many of the 50 mils as you like for the same yeah. substance. Yeah. Oh, and then you're also going to be body scanned the giant x-ray machine and it's going to scan you down to your underwear. Now, mm -hmm. if you'd explain this to people before 9-11, they'd have told you that you were insane and that no one would go along with that. You're daft. You sound like a tinfoil conspiracy theorist. And then they all went along with it. And I remember the first time I went through airport security after 9-11, I was just shocked. What, how, why are you doing? Why are you guys going along with it? Hello, guys. You know, and now it's the same thing. The, the boiling frog effect was so gradual that the fear and the terror was so massive in the beginning. All the scary videos out of you know Italy and China and everything else. You scare the shit out of them and then you just gradually increase the temperature and they don't even realize after a while who they are or how oh, they yeah. used to live. Yeah. And now, and I remember the first time I walked into my local shop, which at the moment I'm now banned from, and um, Good and I, and all these all these stickers were on the floor, and the the clear plexiglass was up and all that, and I thought that's permanent. This is exactly the same feeling I got, and I, when I, when I went to the airports after nine eleven, and so I remember we were in we were outside the first time I had to do the social distancing queue outside my local store and there was like five people in the store it was daft and so there's about four or five of us in this queue that you know circles and i refuse to stand directly on them so there's a point of protest right it's always sort of half on them you know <laughs> and it was the first time and it was only new social distancing was brand new and i just i this is when i really thought oh god oh they got to them oh we were in trouble here and it wasn't like mandatory masks or anything like that. I knew all that was going to come and I knew it was going to be as bad as it is now, Blonde. But the first time I realized we're in serious trouble was when I stood in that queue and I tried to do the sort of fami familiar thing that people do here in Ireland with total strangers. There's guys, a couple of guys behind me. There's one guy in front of me. And I tried to do that 
this is mad, isn't it? You know, you know, you catch the eye of a stranger and you just got to go crazy. And you're like, oh, I know, mate, it's fucking, oh, this is just absolutely daft. No, nothing. Every one of them made a point to not look me straight in the eye. And I thought, that's it. They've got them. It's, yeah. They've People broken social trust. They're like, they're a biohazard or something like that. I mean, I guess that's my next series of questions. How do we wake people up when they're so compliant? Like, I, I can't even believe how compliant people are. What are the important steps for people to take right now to fight back against this tyranny? What can we do? Because I just traveled across the country because I was like, I'm not flying with my baby daughter. So we drove all the way to Colorado. It was a miserable drive. But um, even in these supposedly freedom-loving states, the mask mandates were so ridiculous. We had dinner at a restaurant in Montana, and we went in, and we're used to just telling people to fuck off with the mask thing. We just never wear masks. And um, the lady handed us masks, and she's like, you have to wear these if you're going to be standing in here. And I was like, do we really? And she's like, just put them on for two seconds. And then she literally walked us one to two feet over to the bar. And she's like, you can take them off now. And I, I was talking to her. I was like, you see that this is insane, right? It's insane. I'm no more likely to get the virus right here if it exists um, th rather, th rather than right here. It's insane. Um, and she's like, yes, I know. But we have people in plain clothes, officers in plain clothes that are coming to make sure that we're just abiding by this. And we don't want to get shut down. And that's kind of an argument that I'm sympathetic to because I want small businesses to continue to be able to run. Um but also, I, I'm so resistant to all of this. I don't want to do any of it. I just want to make it harder for everybody involved in this. I, I want people to come up and tell me that I have to wear a mask, that I have to put it on correctly. Um, so, I mean, what what can we do? I feel like most people's hands hands are tied uh, and, and they just feel like they have to comply because they don't like the confrontation. Uh, like specific steps that we can really take to fight against the tyranny. Okay, my, my 10 point plan for turning this around, now you follow these steps to the letter. <laughs> it will be okay by Friday, I promise. Uh, mm. Blonde, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I wish I knew. I mean, I, I've had, as I said to people, dark nights of the soul as well, like everybody yeah, else yeah. about this going, how the hell? Like the, the biggest problem, like I've always known, I mean, you, you're the same, you're a small government kind of person and you understand that governments just want more power. And you've also known that there's these transnational entities and globalists and everything else. And we've always known these evil people were there. Um, and and I fully expect them to, to, to want to try to exert more control. But the issue is not them, really. The issue isn't even Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab oh. or any of these people. Yeah, the issue is is the is what's on the other side of the freaking wall. You know, it's it's the great unwashed out there. Uh, it's the zombies. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of steps to how the compliance has been bought and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that life's pretty comfortable at least mm -hmm. over here they're getting like super dull you know they're getting like a lot of money like 350 euros a week i think it's been dialed down slightly but it's a lot of money um and i guess that's like over 400 dollars a week if you just sit on your ass and watch netflix <laughs> right so so that's that's a lot of money to a lot of people and i think as well it, it touches on the, the meaning thing as well. A lot of the young people have noticed this. This is the challenge that we may not have had 20, 25 years ago. The, the youth are not rebellious. They're actually a product of authority because they're the product of that zero tolerance generation. And they, I don't think they look at the future the way we do, which is that we want to build businesses, be successful, own properties and raise families and get married, settle down and have communities and neighbors and that sort of thing. 
I don't think they see life, a lot of people, the way that we do because they don't believe that either they're worthy of those things or they'll ever be able to have them, especially young people and Zoomers, because it, it, it's so stacked against them. Everything's so ridiculously expensive. Wages are so utterly compressed because of what the globalists have done with mass immigration and everything else. Um, and I don't think they see it. And so all they've really had is degeneracy, drugs, alcohol, and coping mechanisms of maybe I'll be able to get away on a, I'll go backpacking to Cambodia. It couldn't pay me to go to these dumps or, you know, <laughs> or, or I'll go, I'll go on a booze fueled holiday to Spain and mm -hmm. that'll be the cope. And that's all I really have to live for. And I, I know a lot of people are sort of like that. They're just sort of paycheck to paycheck, just about covering their rent and that's mm -hmm. their life. And so now there's this COVID thing and, you know, it's a it's a raw deal, but it's not too bad, you know. You it's it, it you get around the same amount of money that you get if you're on a minimum wage job, maybe a little more in some cases, and you know you just you don't have to do anything. And yeah, so what's what's really the the main issue? I mean, other than the fact that everything's switched off, so there's no fight in people for that reason. And then the businesses I didn't only found out recently. They're getting paid thousands, some of these bars and pubs, to to stay closed. And they don't realize that actually that money you're, you've been given is a huge uh, burden on the state. It's meant to be. It's meant to put the state in massive debt so then they can go, oh, look, look at the debt that COVID created. Oh, we'll never be able to put, pay it back. Because there was obviously already massive debt from this, the capitalist system they wanted to destroy anyway, but they couldn't just erase it. They needed a cover story. Mm -hmm. So they created a mountain of more debt. And then they'll go, well, they'll just turn around and go, well, we better erase it. We better just do the great reset now because that's that would be the And people will look at that and go, that's so benevolent of you to thank you, IMF and World Bank. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and and when that happens, the, the trap is set. I'm sorry, this is a bit of a black pill. And then that's, you know, people will be like, well, now I don't own property. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's the central issue that people are not really understanding the bigger picture here. They're not putting two and two together. They're not thinking. Um, as to what can be done, um, I, I would have thought after 10 months, there would have been more. And there is, there is, I have to say, there's one positive thing I'll say is people that I meet who wear the mask, even in those restaurant situations that you've described, uh, like myself and, and a friend of mine went into a restaurant and there was a woman wearing a mask there, the waitress. And we said, you keep, I said to her, you keep playing with that thing. It's got to be annoying, you know? And she said, oh, yeah, I hate it. And, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to work here if I didn't have it on. And I'm like, are you going to wear the, are you going to, sorry, are you going to take the vaccine, you know? And, and she said, uh, no, no, definitely not. Very good. I said, okay, but you wear the mask though. And you know that that's just basically a soft compliance test. Well, it's probably too deep for some noise. But I just said, <laughs> wow. like, yeah, she's like, what? Thoughts? You know, she's going to fluoride stare. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Britain's got talent. Sorry. Uh, Love Island. Let me, football. Manchester United versus Liverpool, right? Yeah, gotcha. Um, no, but but uh, then she said, I said, what if they don't let you work here anymore without that thing? And she said, well, I'll just leave my job then. Okay. So there's some people who will draw a line, Blonde. That's the big question. Will they draw the line then? And if they do, then maybe this whole thing will come crashing down. I don't know. I mean, let's, I guess it's, it's a good time to talk about, about the vaccine because um, I'm talking to a lot of normies that are like, well, obviously 
I, I'll take it because once we take it, everything's going to go back to normal. And I'm right? like, no, no, right? <laughs> that's insane because Fauci has already said that people will have to continue wearing masks and social distancing, even with the vaccine. Um, and I recently read that 40% of people in the United States are not going to take it. But how many of them are people that just refuse to take it because they associate it with the Trump initiative and they hate Trump so much? And so now once this we start getting acclimated to this being a Biden thing, they're going to be like, oh, he's done this great thing for the common good. And then then they'll be susceptible to it, too. So I'm thinking 80 percent of people in the United States are probably are probably going to take it. So when I talk to people about it, I'm like, you do realize this is an RNA vaccine, that this is unprecedented, that the cold is a, is a coronavirus and they've never been able to vaccinate against that. Um, we have no idea what the long term studies are going to say. Uh, also, in our age group, I think under 50, this has a 99.97% survival rate if this even exists as a unique virus, which I'm not entirely sure that this is even a real thing. I don't know. Um, but what do you tell people when they say they're going to get vaccinated or when you think that they're going to get worn down? eventually? What do you tell them? You made an excellent video about sterilization. So if you could talk a little bit about uh, the nature of the vaccine and how it's being perceived by people, that would be great. Well, well you've you said something there where you were telling people 99.97, whatever. So when you go into those stats, similarly, people if don't. you say something like uh, all-cause mortality is down, you know, there's no excess mortality. Uh, it's, it's, it's within the normal range. It's not high, you know, so there's no pandemic. And this is something that uh, Ivor Cummins in, in Ireland and someone else who's doing their stats and real facts and data and look at the real science. And, and this is something they tweeted about the other day. And the analogy that I use is that we are using a key, the key of science and reason and logic on the emotion door, you know? Yeah. And whereas we need to use the emotion door on the emotion door, right? We're mismatching the keys. Uh, that's That's the big problem. I think we need to reach people with you know, the heartbreaking stories of the teenagers or the people in the early 20s who commit suicide and the number of people and the individual, those individual stories there you talk about, that's useful uh, as opposed to, well, this this person was 84 and they're basically, you know, already on death's door. They were moribund and in a coma and they had their whole long weekend ahead of them, you know, and that's all it was. And then they, they got this thing and it pushed them over the edge or, or whatever, or that actually they didn't really die from it. I mean, we need to somehow reach them in that emotional sort of way. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. That that would be as the, as to with regards to how the the kinds of things that you'd have to say to them. I'm not sure, but I know that you need to reach them emotionally. As for the vaccine, yeah, it's been developed by people who are obsessed with population control, like Gates. And if you look into his father and Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger, um, it's it's pretty clear that it's it's really not a good idea to take an injection off somebody who has. <laughs> who is the biggest funder of an organization, the World Health Organization, that has looked into sterility formulas for a form of contraception through vaccination uh, and also may have a very checkered history in, uh, in, the, in the third world, as, as Robert Kennedy Jr. has described with, with women in, in Africa and in India being very severely injured um, through vaccination and or even sterilized in some, in some places. Uh, so... It, it's looking very likely to me that that might be the the reason because they're constantly obsessed with you know the population numbers which don't make sense when you think about it and i also think that this thing is probably designed to actually just cause death from the people who take it regardless of whether 
you know, they're young or old, you know, so the pathogenic priming that they'll get where their immune system will be, will actually overreact to the next coronavirus that comes along. Uh, it makes sense. You know, Gates is obsessed with uh, the fertility numbers that we are we're producing, to, reproducing too much. But here's the thing. Uh, our fertility numbers in the West are pretty low. They're actually just right? Yeah. And actually now looking into it, really, it's not just because they got women into the workplace. You know, it's it's clearly not just that. I mean, sperm counts are low and it looks to me like we're looking at this now as in this is the start point of when they're going to start creating the children of men situation, right? That we're all sterile. Nah, it's just kicked off decades ago. Mm-hmm. They actually probably have been sterilizing us through food and through water and vaccines for years. And we had no idea. And that's why people are, even men are struggling to, you know, father kids. Um, sorry, I went on a tangent. You had specific questions there about the vaccine and um, and and uh, what you what what I what you should say to people. Maybe if the argument. I mean, I think you're totally right about the emotion thing. I I'm constantly trying to reason with people, and I I just have to tell myself these are not these are not reasonable people. Um, a video that I found very effective uh, in eliciting an emotional response from normies. I don't know if you saw. I'm sure you did. Uh, it was this group of people from an old folks' home. They were standing outside the old folks home and they were, you know, they were singing and they were saying, you know, we want to see our families and everything like that. That actually has been very effective because people are saying like, isn't it their choice what they want to do with the end of their lives? And yeah. we're, we're doing all this stuff to, to save the old people, to eke out six more months from an 85, a terminally ill 85 year old uh, who's just going to die alone. It's like, I would so much rather choose the quality of life in an end of life situation. And we, we have stripped them of the choice to do this. So that's been a very effective argument for me in uh, the, the emotional video. So that, you could, that's the big one. Yeah. That's the yeah. big one. But ultimately what you see there is the, the heavy handed policing of not allowing someone like, for example, in the UK, there was a woman who was trying to, she actually managed to get her elderly, very, very elderly mother into the car, but the policeman stood in front of the car, wouldn't let them leave. And she was, we were getting all getting suitably very, very emotional. And so when you show that to someone, you go, this is the person, this is the, the age demographic. They're telling us that we have to protect and yet that same age demographic is not allowed to decide for themselves whether they even want to be protected or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you not call that maybe imprisonment? You know, they've been <laughs> held hostage and kept in, you know? Uh, you're you're absolutely right. Um, they've been weaponized against us and now we're all being told that we're safe. That's the, the killer thing. The, the derangement is the idea that people who have no symptoms who are who know themselves, within themselves, they are healthy, are sick. Now that's... That's magical thinking, blonde. You know, that's not. Uh, you'll ne- you'll never reason with that. That has to that has to gradually erode away by itself. That people have to dawn on them. Like I can't. What I can't fathom is the people who get tested. You know, whole families going off. You know, to virtue signal about. Oh, we got tested. Oh my God, we're so. We we care about others. You know, and they go off and they get tested, and I'm sure they're taking your DNA with these freaking PCR things. They're probably putting something up there. Lord of <laughs> And uh, so they, so, you know, something on the tip of the, the thing, you know, so, so they get tested and then they're told, oh yeah, you're positive. You've got, you've got the COVID and you've got, you've got the COVIDs and, and then they're like, okay, so go home now and quarantine for two weeks. And they go, oh, all right, go home, quarantine for two weeks, you know, I'm cocooning, right? So they go home <laughs> and they lock themselves in their house and, you know, then they, then they're fine. And two weeks pass. And they go, how did you feel? Fine. Did you get sick? No. Any symptoms? No. Were you sick? No. Did you even have flu symptoms? No. 
why were you at home? Because they told me I was sick. Hmm. It does not not dawn on them. Now, I know some people have had the flu and the flu has been going about and, and I'm not denying the existence of the virus. Um, and maybe it is. To, to some people, it seems to be a mild flu. And other people, it's it's a bit harsher. But considering flu is all but gone now, you'd have to wonder if it's just the fucking flu. So yeah. they that's the thing that kills me, that people are actually walking around thinking they're sick. I mean, Matt Hancock said it, you know, if we all act like we're sick, then we'll be safer. And that's the critical word is act, because what is a mask? A masquerade. You know, we're actually just putting on this masquerade. Now, I've never worn a mask uh, at all. And it's why I'm getting so much trouble now. Because I have to tell you, like, between lockdown two and lockdown three here of 15 days to flatten the curve 10 months later, um, there's definitely been a change against people who resist, you know. Um, I don't I don't know. It's, it's, it's not good. Anyway, it, it's, it seems to me that, and there's definitely been a confidence loss, I think, among people who mm-hmm. were previously against this. I remember Simon Dolan in the UK, who's a, a multimillionaire who took a case there against... Uh, against the government in the UK, similar to John Waters and Gemma O'Doherty's case. And uh, that was just, you know, basically defeated very, very easily. Um, but he used to do this thing called no mask selfie. And this was back when it was just starting to come in, the masks in the shops, and people would do it. And I don't see that anymore. Like, definitely, th- there was this, okay, we can do this. You know, we're, we're still, we're still 70% of people. In the shop, okay, we're we're sixty percent. Okay, mm-hmm. we're still fifty percent. We're 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 forty percent. We're a good solid thirty percent of this, you know. We're it's still. I tell you what, ten percent of people are still not complaining. Oh shit, it's just me. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. the way it's gone. And I definitely understand that because when I was driving across the country, you know, we'd have to stop at a gas station, and I, I was I was like, I'm gonna pee my pants. I have to go into this gas station, and then they will not let you in unless you're wearing a mask. And so in those instances, I did it. You know, I did it, and and I was just thinking. Gosh, uh, they're you, even you traitor. You traitor. <laughs> I know, I know. I felt like a traitor. I felt like I had betrayed my own principles, but also, you know, girls got to pee. So I, I feel like I kind of am becoming sympathetic to people that are just like, I'm just going to wear, I'm just going to wear the masks. I have to do these things. Um, but I think if I had to do it again, it's just peeing on the side of the road. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, get it. I, I think there's a lot of people who there's no respect really for the idea of liberty anyway, but uh, I like to think that there's a shred of still a belief in bodily autonomy to a certain degree amongst more people. Like for example, I I do expect, I'm hoping to be proven wrong, but I do expect there to be far more resistance to the vaccine than the mask. I know a lot of people, I think they just sort of got, even I I spoke to actually a Latvian guy who was very, very red pilled on this the other day. And he was like, he had the mask around his neck, there's chin thing. And he was like, I just, wear, I see you, you got the mask. He said, oh, yeah, I just wear it to go into the shops. I don't want to get hassled. But he says, I can see this is communism and there's no way I'm going along with, you know, what's coming down the line. Um, and I and I think there's a lot of those people. Who, now, at the same time, I know people who go, well, if you have to take it, you have to take it. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're literally setting the precedent where the government can inject you with whatever they want by just declaring an emergency. And then that's it. They have to inject you every year. Yeah, what can you do? I don't know. Uh, life's too short to be a slave. How about that? You could yeah. go in there and you could rip those bastards out of office. Just in Minecraft, just virtually, not in not in reality, obviously. Um, <laughs> but look, you know, it's it's 
it's going to get down to that. You know, it's it's mass compl- non-compliance or, or nothing. And unfortunately, with the pubs shut off, which is the place that is that line from The Quiet Man, it's the place we used to go to talk a little treason. Um, with that sort of community setting shut off, people are not being able to, you know, get together, have a pint, you know, go up to the bar and go, this is all a lot of shy me, isn't it? Yeah, it's all <laughs> That's gone. And you can't do it on the bus either. And you're on the bus like this and, you know, you nudge someone and go, you know, you can't do that because you can't be around them. So they've been very, they've been very clever. It's evil genius, unfortunately. I know. I'm, I'm, I'd be rather impressed if I wasn't so horrified, but um, you sent me a really hopeful message the other day. It was so uplifting and I just exactly what I needed to hear. And I really appreciated that. Um, and I was kind of hoping that you would share that wisdom with the audience because I have this tendency to just doom spiral, especially when I look around and I see seas right. of masked people and the, the yeah. retardation that I live amongst in freedom loving North Idaho. Um, so how do we stay positive and prevent ourselves from doom spiraling? <laughs> There's the answer. Eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say the, the longer this has gone on blonde, the more I've sort of reconciled to the fact that we're in uh, definitely tumultuous times, but we're we're in times that are necessary. You know, uh, that's the that's the reality. I mean, there was when they say there's no going back. You know, to the old normal. We need to do the new normal. Well, you know, we we definitely don't want their new normal because it's hell. Uh, but they're kind of right when they say we can't go back. I mean, we need to get back to freedom, but we can't go back to the way things were because the way things were led us to this. They led exactly. the population astray. Yeah, they they made it so that the wool could be pulled over their eyes, so that they would become so blind that they couldn't see. And uh, you got to understand that you can. You know, the people in your audience can. We can. We can see it. And I don't think that's an accident. Um, evil has to win in the beginning of the movie in order for, for the good guys to win at the end, right? And the good guys are always you, and the bad guys are many, and they're far more powerful. Um, and most people, most people are like that guy and, and other people that I met. I, I met another guy in town, actually, and he was like wearing the mask, but he, he got it. He was like, yeah, it's all bollocks, mate. And the death numbers don't make any sense either. You know, so there's a lot of those people. The masses go where the three to six percent vanguard tend to take them. Uh, and when there's enough, it's sort of like when you're standing at a at one of those pedestrian crossings. It's it's it's, it's red, and uh, there's a few cars going by, and then a few people just sort of go, "I'm going to go." And one person goes, and it was given us up. No, 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 stand there, stand there. And then it, two two or three more people go, and then suddenly loads of people go all at once. It's that critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than anything, it, it's it's a spiritual battle, you know. It it is. It's uh, this is supposed to test us in the way that it is. This is supposed to be like we're we're through this period, and I feel uh, so many of my American friends, w- what they're going through, uh, and how they've their hopes have been sort of been dashed from the Trump train and everything else. And it's like that was never going to save you. Now people have to sort of realize you can't put your faith in one human being. You know, uh, there are there's higher levels that you've got to put your faith in and we're, we're here for a reason. We're here because we've got to actually fight this. It's a privilege to be able to see this, to actually know what's at stake and to be able to fight it. Um, and so that's, it's, it's cold comfort, but for people who aren't very spiritual, but for the people who are, you should take strength from that. You know, these are challenges, but stand by your principles, you know, don't, don't comply um it's it's just not worth it it's not worth it the, it the whole thing is meant to crush your soul 
Um, but I don't think people will, I think there'll be a bottoming out. I think most people will sort of go, you know, I, I just want to smile again. I want fun again. I want optimism and hope again, but that's the material aspect of our world is not coming back. So people will have to reach into something within them to find it. And that's I think that comes, true. yeah, I think that comes from God. You know, I think uh, maybe, maybe this is a test in the sense that it's stripping us away of all of the creature comforts we've had. We have a ridiculous level of, of, you know, of, of material comfort and, and wealth and everything. Um, and I don't think human beings are meant for this sort of sedentary life. No, we uh, need some hardship, don't we? <laughs> we do. And and also, I don't think that you know, we've been entertaining crazy ideas, Blonde, you know, that are just absolutely antithetical to, to our morality. You know, they're abhorrent ideas. You know, we've got total LGBT degeneracy. We've got all this, all this global homo. We've got abortion and nothing's done about it. You know, uh, look, in Argentina, even more so than in Ireland, they the women celebrating in the streets that they could kill kids, you know, and it, and it's like they're in a, it's euphoric, you know, and, and likewise, it was very similar to that in Ireland, in, in Dublin Castle after the referendum in 2018. Um, they were celebrating and crying tears of joy that they could now commit abortion. I mean, this, that's end times prophecy level shit there, you know, that's what you're, you're basically voting for the destruction of your own people. And there has to be a great, a great correction for this you know people that we're being we're being faced with a choice continue to comply with evil okay you've complied with evil all your life you've been some of us have been invested in it steeped in it against our own knowledge against our will we didn't even realize the social engineering that was being done to us but then we woke up mm -hmm. and now we have a choice now we exactly. can see and likewise the the rest of society is being told you're not going to get many more opportunities now to wake up if you continue to simply go along okay you've chosen evil your acquiescence is a choice in, in a sense. You know, you've got to do the, the hard yards up here yourself. You've got to do the thinking. You were, God gave you a brain. You've got to use it. Um, and he gave you a spirit and it's got to be fulfilled. And so we're people are being, there's a crossroads in front of them. And we've got to, we've got to make a decision. And I, and I think that if we just keep doing this, we're going to be led down a, a very, very dark path. And thankfully, Wherever our bodies go, our souls are going to go to a different place. Whatever they do to us, to the physical, it's not going to matter because we'll choose Jesus Christ. I, I hope you're right. And and I do feel a little bit of optimism regarding uh, this hedonistic culture that we have. Because I don't know what your youth was like, but, uh, you know, I engage in plenty of degeneracy. And, and at a certain point, um, you just become dissatisfied with the material world and you start to search for something more. And I still believe that in every individual is that wall that you really hit that wall where you're like, there must be more to life than, than drinking and, you know, than Instagram and, and all this stuff. And, and I just feel like the youth, they have that in them, in them too, because it's just part of being human. It's part of humanity. And so I really am holding out hope that they see that, you know, their little stimulus checks and their stupid, remote marketing job and their childless lives and their one holiday or whatever, that, that these creature comforts are just not going to be enough for them at some point. And I hope that they come to it early enough that they can still have children um, because that, that really changes people's perspective. Um, but do you think I'm being too optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
I had this I had this notion. I wondered, madmen like Gates and others, are they actually a, a, a natural product of the universe that it throws up these people every so often to, you know, thin the herd? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of a, a Noah's Ark, but in a really sinister way. You know, it's, it's sort of this idea of, uh, well, there's there's no hope for these particular people. I hope. Right. I mean, I, I want I want everybody to get across to get across the bridge. I want everybody to get across. Um, but I, I they they can't all be saved. Uh, yeah. I, I I I don't know. I mean, I like to believe they can be. It's not for me to say, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, the <sighs> Satan's given us a lot, you know, and now it's sort of like I can take all that away, and you've got to choose either me or the other guy, and that path is far harder. It's a much harder road because it's just so easy to acquiesce and go along to get along. You know, I'll just wear the mask. Okay, I'll just take the vaccine. Okay, I'll just be involved in the digital population control grid and my body is not my own and I have no property. And okay, I'll just eat the bug meat or whatever, the bug patty or whatever they want to give me. You know, it's at a certain stage, it's just got to be, oh, fuck off, you know, I'm not doing right. that. Yeah, maybe that's the the whole purpose of free will. Because I used to think, why were we even granted free will if everything was predetermined, if God had a hand in our lives? And maybe that is that is the answer. We've been given free will so that when the time comes, we choose to reject Satan. And I think that we are really witnessing this in our everyday lives. Like, we have to choose now. Um, so I think we're kind of rounding things out. But I did have a, a few questions about what the next few years are going to look like. I am a firm believer that this is it, that that we're just going to see the, the grasp of authoritarianism close even even more strongly um, in the next few years to come, especially with Biden and Kamala. Um, and I think that, you know, there's going to be mandatory vaccines. We're not we're, our, our movement is going to be totally limited. We're not going to be able to get on a plane and everything like that. I'm I'm sure you agree. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, but Actually, what's going- I was a lot more optimistic about 2021 <laughs> than that until you said it. So. Good night, folks. I know it. See ya. Um, but I guess the question I have surrounding this is what's going to happen with with alt tech. Um, I know you're big into alt tech. Uh, you can plug your BitChute channel in a second. Um, I'm on Gab. I was going to be on Parler before all this crazy shit happened. So do you think that there's a future for alt tech? How are we going to get around these technocrats? Well, uh, thankfully, there's a few people in relatively you know, influential areas of the tech world, including, well, I can't, I, I won't name the name of them, but one company that's a very significant amount of the of the internet backbone, actually, who are really disgusted at what's happening. Good. And so I think this censorship is also a wake up call, even for people on the left, this idea that the president of the United States can be censored like that. It's like, okay, I might hate Trump, but, you know, they can take out any of us out then, right? And the precedent's been set. And, and I think other world leaders like, Macron and, and Merkel have come forward now and said, well, what's to stop them from doing it to us? But see, this is the this is the problem. They were the useful idiots, right? They were the middle management for the globalists. And now they're realizing, ah, I tell you what, that Mark Zuckerberg that nobody ever voted for has a lot more power than I do uh, over me. And, and suddenly their political careers look really uh, parochial, small and out of date, you know. And so... Uh, but no, I think all tech will will endure, uh, unless they. I, I've I've always maintained this. Like if they find ways, if they find ways to survive, 
and it's like it's like a content creator if you can keep going um the more the more potentially dangerous you are and so ultimately if, if they can't take you away from your platform they'll take they can't take the platform away from you they'll take you away from your platform and that's when they have to come for you yep. that's when the purges really begin and hopefully at that level more and more people wake up to it but i tell you what there's a lot of people over here they're very scared of police and they're i gotta be honest they're pretty scary they're scary you know they're um I don't know. They've You've got a lot of you. women in your police force. They don't seem so scary. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guys, you know, I don't know whether they just sort of got a, their own insecurities. Uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, look, they've got they've got all these special powers, and they can just come up with anything for any reason. I mean, it's getting to a stage where they can just stop people on the street and ask them, "Where are you going? Where are you coming from?" And then you know, it's just it's just madness. And there'll be more of that. You know, there's just going to be more and more of that. But I think that we're going to reach a crescendo very soon. Everybody's saying it. Everybody is starting to feel that now over the next few weeks as we run up to to the 20th um and then there's something weird you know there, there's there's always the potential for some sort of odd plot twist and i don't want to like get people's hopes up so i wasn't going to say this but this is something that ivor cummins has talked about as well you know professor neil ferguson is suddenly sort of going on about the herd immunity situation and you have like uh you know, even here in Ireland, Professor Luke O'Neill saying things like people who've had coronavirus are potentially more, um, uh, they have a stronger immunity than people who take the vaccine. And Cuomo coming out in New York saying that we can't wait for the vaccine, we should open up sooner. And see, you know, it might be, it might be, you know, that they they suddenly go, I, I just, our analytics data that we're constantly looking online, it doesn't look like we're going to get the vaccine compliance we want. Yeah. And so, uh, look, they've done, they've gotten a lot of the things they want. They mightn't get their stretch goals, but they'll get their uh, some form of great reset. They're going to, they've got, they've built up enough debt in the system. They've transferred enough wealth. They've, they've flattened a lot of the middle class. They've put a lot of people into, well, actually, eventually starvation, let's be honest. But they've, they've at least brought people down into, a lot of people into poverty. I think they'll feel that they got a lot of things, even if they don't get cashless society right away. Um, and they, there might be a slight easing temporarily yeah, and uh, certainly an illusion that things are okay again i would but it's going to be a trap <laughs> it's a trap it is it is going to be a trap like i wouldn't be surprised if there's something like in the next within the within the year or early next year or something that they'll sort of do this suddenly the world health organization will come out and go like on a friday some report will just be published and it'll go the pandemic's basically over yeah and then it you know i wouldn't be surprised and then it, there's like a real reopening situation and it's just sudden you know um, they might do that in order to make Biden look better, but they'll have enough of the other things that they need and they can, they'll push mandatory vaccination at the border level so that anybody going in and out of the country has to be vaccinated. And that's how you gradually get more and more people into the system over time. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So th that might be something, but then again, you know, it could just be as bad as you say, uh, but I think I think people are going to realize that once they're like, hold on a second, I still have to do the mask thing and the social distancing. And, you know, I'm still having to do lockdowns even after I've had my second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. How many of these freaking things? What's in this stuff? Like, what's this? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just can't see. I can't see it getting as bad as we fear it getting or anywhere near as as good as the World Economic Forum thought. And just one piece of hope, I suppose. 
the United Nations partnered with the World Economic Forum because the United Nations is a bit shit at what it does, which is that <laughs> they, they their Agenda 21 was bollocks, like it wasn't working. The Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Goals, you know, recently, what's his name? Um, Jack Dorsey just tweeted on New Year's Day, 2030, you know, ominous, right? Um, it wasn't working. It wasn't being pushed across the line. Greta Thunberg didn't work. You know, likewise, uh, Extinction Rebellion didn't work. They went with the virus thing. That was successful for them. But most of the time, you know, the, like, just like the climate change narrative, they they have more misses than hits. Yeah. And that's why the UN partnered with the, the World Economic Forum last year uh, to team up because they had similar goals and to, to let the World Economic Forum be the think tank that drives the thing forward. And... Uh, so that's something to hope to that these people there's, there's a lot of spinning plates involved with this fourth industrial revolution thing you know and these people are not as competent as we give them credit for so i certainly, certainly hope so i don't want to underestimate their competence again but i do think you may be right um that's a good note to end on so thank you so much for joining me dave that was such a lovely conversation and if you can tell the audience um where to find you on alternative media i think you're Second stint on YouTube is going to be short-lived. No offense. <laughs> my, my first YouTube career was 14 years. This, <laughs> one, this one might be 14 days yeah. or less. Um, yeah, don't don't bother subscribing on YouTube. <laughs> Please. Uh, I never thought I'd say that. Um, yeah, go, go over and, and follow me on, on the BitChute machine and also uh, Gab TV, which is actually separate from Gab. Gab's kind of slow at the moment because Torba's got a... Get some more servers in there. Mastodon is sort of hard to grow. And then um, I suppose, well, at Gab TV, uh, Odyssey and Mines, and uh, I, I'm going to have to add a few more, I suppose. Okay, sure. And everything's going to be linked in the description if you want to find Dave there. And thanks again. And I hope to see you soon. Bye. Thanks.